Welcome to the Bad Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Your co-host, Danny. And fans, we have an outstanding show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL, our reaction to the NFL draft. And boy, that's going to be a doozy. The NBA, a little talk about the NBA. Then we have an interesting trading card scenario. But first, Danny, let's get right to it. The NFL, there's a whole lot happening and a whole lot that has happened. The mm -hmm. NFL draft happened. And right before the NFL draft started, there were breaking news about Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, indicating that he no longer wants to play with the Packers. And Danny, this really took over the NFL draft. That was what everybody was talking about on that day during the draft, throughout the entire weekend of the draft, and even after the draft. We're uh, totally after the draft right now, and, man, they are still talking about it. And it's just really interesting at how all of this played out, but – before we get into uh, the Aaron Rodgers drama, uh, the Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers saga, uh, let's just get into the NFL draft, man. I mean, man, this was this really interesting, interesting draft. Uh, I think everybody knew who was going to go number one. Uh, I don't think there was any really doubt about that uh, and where the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars um, just went ahead and got – their quarterback um mm -hmm. and danny let me just say i think the jaguars couldn't go wrong here they couldn't go wrong here man i mean trevor lawrence is a, an outstanding quarterback when we first saw him uh playing for clemson the very first year um everybody in america knew oh he's going he's going to be number one yeah and Truth be told, he could have honestly have come out after playing one year at Clemson. And uh, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he translates to the NFL, mm -hmm. how uh, Jacksonville, with their new head coach, Irving Meyer, uh, translating into the NFL, uh, and just how really Jaguars are really going to, in a sense, change. Uh, I think Jag Jaguars have actually – actually fired their uh, recruiting or scouting staff on today. And they're making some changes, making some turnover. We'll see what happens. But Trevor Lawrence goes number one. Uh, there was no doubt about it. And then followed by uh, Zach Wilson, the quarterback out of BYU, uh, going to the New York Jets. And then uh, Trey Lance, that's where I believe the draft really started. The yep. San Francisco 49ers going for Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State. Uh, and then Kyle Pitts <laughs> going to your Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Uh, and we'll just go with Jamar Chase. This is round up the top five here. Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and so, man, this was just interesting. To me, the draft really started at pick number three. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, it just kind of went on from there. Uh, 
I was happy to see fans in attendance. Man. It was it it was jam packed, Danny. It was hype. And it was good to see it. I really hope that um everyone is safe, uh was safe during that time, is safe now. Mm-hmm. Uh I really hope that. And uh man, this was just really interesting uh to witness, Danny. What are your thoughts about the NFL draft? Yeah, Jay, seeing Trey Lance get picked, that, like you said, set the tone because I felt, I had this feeling uh, with Justin Fields in our last show, I thought he would be the one that Atlanta would pick. But um, Trey Lance getting picked, that I, I thought we were going Justin Fields, actually, instead of Kyle Pitts. But Kyle Pitts makes mm-hmm. sense. Great pick. Uh, couldn't go wrong with him. The surprising one uh, was Jamar Chase. And you sent me a comment about how much pull Joe Burrow must have in Cincinnati <laughs> to get well, his boy instead of them taking Penny Sewell. That's, I thought for sure they would take Penny Sewell. So, uh, but for that top five, I thought Atlanta did what they needed to do, man. They had to get Kyle Pitts, especially in the cap situation they're in and in case they need to trade julio jones they have that out um there where they have someone in on a rookie contract that can step in and i'm gonna call it like it is man kyle pitts is a receiver he's labeled as a tight end but Mm -hmm. he's 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 made like a receiver um speed you know he's not the blocking type so I look at him more as a wide receiver. One thing to note with Atlanta, though, in this draft, they didn't take a running back, and they didn't take a quarterback until in the undrafted, um, you know, they bring in the undrafted free agents. So they had a run, They took a running back from Louisville, signed him, and then quarterback from Arkansas, Felipe Franks. So – I swore they were going running back in that second round and they ended up taking that safety. So very interesting. Uh, I'm curious if they're going to bring in like a Le'Veon Bell or someone like that. Mm-hmm. So that, that surprised me from that Atlanta perspective. A um, couple other notes, a couple other shout outs for a couple teams here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers to Kyle Trask. So that looks like Tom Brady's replacement down the line. And they really didn't need too much, man. You know, if you look at their draft, they took a lot of defense. So, but they, they brought everyone back. They're running it back with the Super Bowl team. So they didn't have much really to do there. They did get the quarterback, though. And the Tennessee Titans took Caleb Farley. So that one was a surprise to me due to the back issues. and all the issues he coming into the draft up leading up to the draft. I thought for sure he was going second round. So for them to take him in the first round, uh, we'll see. They went pretty much all defense in this draft. They took one receiver late, but I, I thought for sure they were taking receiver with Corey Davis leaving last year and going into the, going to the jets. So how about your Packers, man? 
uh, man, before we get to the Packers, let me just say <laughs> a couple of things here. Um, I would say this, Danny, one of the interesting moves of the draft was uh, the Chicago Bears trading up from the 20 spot to the 11 spot to actually get Justin Fields, their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. I think that was a, a very intriguing move, actually. Yes, they're a competitor, but uh, I got to respect um, the move here that the uh, Bears have made. Uh, I don't know if that's going to really honestly save the jobs of Nagy uh, and the general manager there, um, but I just thought that uh, it was a bold and interesting move there. Uh, to me, it's something that they should have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of getting Trubisky, they could have gotten the likes of Deshaun Watson or or even Pat Mahomes. Um, but I think they it seems like they've learned from that lesson yeah. and uh, went ahead and got their quarterback of the future. And Jason, uh, to that point, I thought New England was going to get them. I thought they were going to be the ones to but move you up. Know. So when the Bears did that, with New England sitting there with Justin Fields, with all the rumors with Justin Fields leading up to the draft, with New England and him dropping to 11, I thought for sure they were going to move up. And when I saw Chicago, that was a steal, in my opinion, for to get him at 11. Because I thought he yeah. could have been – he should have been top two. So – Easy. Good, good Easy. for Chicago. Yeah, and I, I would say, to me, with New England not having to make any type of move whatsoever – just to sit there and have Matt Jones fall in their lap at 15, man. Um, That's who they wanted. And they didn't have to give up anything to get them. Yeah. Uh, No, no effort whatsoever on (laughs) their part, man. So uh, they get Matt Jones. That's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out with Cam Newton in the mix. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, you have to run different offenses for those uh, two quarterbacks, man. Uh, yep. So this is going to be interesting to see how that honestly works out. It's just interesting at how when you look at the first round of this draft, okay, mm-hmm. we look at Jamar Chase getting drafted at number five to the Cincinnati Bengals, wide receiver out of LSU, and now is paired up with his uh, quarterback, um, uh, Joe Burrow, second-year quarterback, Joe Burrow. At number six, Jalen Waddle goes to the Miami Dolphins, wide receiver out of Alabama, paired up with his quarterback, Tua, who's in his second year uh, in the league. Yep. And then as we go down, Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, gets paired up with his quarterback, one of his quarterbacks from – Alabama, Jalen Hurst. And that this is Jalen's second year as a quarterback. (laughs) And so as we look, and I'm not done yet, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of Florida, gets drafted at 20, goes to the New York Giants. That's a, I think, third-year quarterback. And it's just re- interesting, man. I'm still not done. Rashad Bateman, yep. wide receiver out of Minnesota, gets drafted by the Baltimore Ravens at number 27. 
and Jackson is yes, he's an MVP winner, but let's look at this has to be Jackson's what uh, I would say about maybe fourth year, fifth year oh, in the year. league. I think fourth year coming up. Here's my point in saying all this, Danny. Mm-hmm. When you look at Aaron Rodgers and the Aaron Rodgers drama and the Green Bay Packers drama, Aaron Rodgers, all he was looking for is the likes of a wide receiver or an offensive weapon to, to help yep. push them over the top. When you think about what Aaron Rodgers has to work with, okay, he only has Devontae Adams really to throw the ball to as his primary receiver. Devontae Adams was drafted back in 2014, and he was in the second drafted from the second round. Okay. But when you think about the Packers draft over time, it's just really interesting to see how this all kind of shakes out. Mm -hmm. The Packers ended up drafting this year in the first round, Eric Stokes out of Georgia, cornerback. Yes, it's a need. Last year, we all know that Jordan Love was drafted. But when you think about over the past few years 2019 they drafted a safety they drafted a defensive end as well so they drafted Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage uh in the in the first round Jair Alexander was drafted in 2018 uh, my point in saying this is that in the first round since Aaron Rodgers has been drafted we're only talking about two offensive tackles being selected and you mean to tell me Aaron Rodgers a three-time MVP Super Bowl MVP coming off of an MVP season cannot get an offensive weapon in the first round all I'm saying is I, I get what Aaron Rodgers is feeling and is thinking. Jordan Love didn't sniff the field this year. It would have been great to have an offensive weapon who who's actually on the field mm -hmm. to help contribute to possibly the Packers getting to the Super Bowl. And for these second-year quarterbacks, to get their offensive weapons. And oh, by the way, let me add this to the equation. Because in this year's draft at 25, the Jacksonville Jaguars received or selected Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson. So here you have, <laughs> <laughs> here you have Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback from Clemson, being drafted at number one. And he's not even – he hasn't even sniffed the field for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He hasn't even taken a snap for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But yet he has his star running back in his backfield. Make mm -hmm. that make sense. Not only that, with 
Aaron Rodgers, but also when you think about the contract, he's just coming off of an MVP season, and he has witnessed Tom Brady leaving New England to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady getting his weapons and ultimately beating my squad. But really, it's more about Tom Brady's influence in the organization and getting the players that Tom Brady wants. Yep. It's just, man, it's just really baffling. In the contract, I can see Aaron Rodgers saying, I I don't want no contract renegotiate. I I want, listen, I want a contract extension. Give me an extension. I still have years left Mm -hmm. to play. So, this, you know, give me an extension. So, I don't know, Danny. This is just real, really intriguing, man. Um, this drama, this saga between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers is going to continue to happen. Um, but I have to say this, though, too, Danny. And this is facts here. So the Green Bay Packers, over time, when they have selected their wide receiver, I'm going to give you the rounds that they have selected the wide receiver, okay? Mm-hmm. Amari Rogers was selected this year in this year's draft in the third round. Okay. We'll see how that goes. Um, but when you look at wide receivers most recently drafted by the, the Packers and I'll even go to the tight end. So tight end last year uh, was Josiah the Desra. I don't think he sniffed the field, uh, quite honestly. And he was drafted in the third round. My point is this, man. For all those who are saying Aaron Rodgers is is griping or being weak, whatever the case may be, hey, man, look what he's had to work with. And let's just be real. He hasn't been able to work with much from an offensive weapon standpoint since he had the all-star squad with Jordy Nelson with Jennings, Greg Jennings, that crew, the -hmm. Super Bowl crew. And ever since then, I mean, they've obviously matriculated out, but the Packers never restocked and reloaded. So I can see and understand the frustration by Aaron Rodgers. I believe Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay. Um, There are reports today uh, from uh, John Kuhn, the uh, former Packers fullback that Aaron Rodgers may be coming back. He's just trying to feel things through, figure it out. It may be just a stalemate between the GM and Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is done, man. I think he's done. So we'll see what happens, man. Uh, I think, uh, I think honestly, Aaron Rodgers deserve better from an organization. I really do. Um, for that type of talent, we need to put the pieces around them. Um, so, and he needs to have a little bit more say, a little bit more influence. This is today's game, man. This is not back in the day when you just go out there and play, especially mm-hmm. a quarterback of his significance and in, in his prominence. 
we're talking about a three-time MVP. So uh, I think he's done, man. Coach Prime and what he said about the NFL draft. I think it really deserves uh, attention here. He says on his Instagram page, uh, and we have the audacity to hate on one another while our kids are being neglected and rejected. I witnessed a multitude of kids that we played against that were more than qualified to be drafted. My prayers are that this won't ever happen again. And so it's a travesty, man, Danny, in my opinion, that there were no players drafted from um, historically black colleges and universities. Um, it happens year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately enough, there is an HBCU combine. Um, it did take place this go around this year and where I'll say about 45 or so uh, players participated yep. and there were some fascinating results uh, to note here. I really think the NFLs are missing, really missing out here. I just don't understand why they're not fully engaged here, but let me just say, according to the athletic, mm-hmm. um, there was some standout results here. One result, uh, Marcus Williams, wide receiver from uh, my university, my beloved alma mater, Florida A&M University. Uh, he went through the combine, HBCU combine, and man, he ran an electric 40 time of 4.47. A vertical jump of 32 inches in a nine foot 10 inch broad jump. In the MEAC Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, uh, we did not play this year due to COVID reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at his his times in the three cone time, which was 6.97. Uh, and he had a 4.20 short shuttle. The three cone time was good for the fifth rank amongst receivers at the 2020 NFL scouting combine, just to compare here. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's some other outstanding results here from other students. Keon Smith, according to, again, according to the athletic offensive lineman from Fayetteville state. Um, then you had, you know, some other measurements here from Jimmy Robinson, wide receiver running back from Bethune Cookman, Mac McCain, cornerback, North Carolina, a and and then Ian McBurrow linebacker from Morgan state. My, here's my point, Danny. Mm-hmm. Coach Prime has it right. He's brought a lot of film of players within his conference, outside his conference, opponents, whatever the case may be, even in his first year. The point is, you have some excellent quality students at HBCUs, student athletes who are not getting the recognition and not getting the exposure that they deserve. And the HBCU combine gives it to them at the same token the NFL has to really look at things uh, and look at the tape and be conscious. I mean, when you think about, and sorry, I kind of ramble here, Danny, but when, when you think about those who were drafted in the top five mm-hmm. in this, in this NFL draft, Danny, 
let me just say Trey Lance, the quarterback drafted at number three for San Francisco 49ers. He didn't play this season. All I'm saying is we got to be fair here, man. And not only that, we're talking about a wealth gap. Just as you have some great quality student athletes who can play in the NFL, who happens to attend HBCUs, not and they're not getting drafted. And then you have similar students, student athletes at other colleges in other divisions and other conferences getting drafted and they're getting multi-millions of dollars. That increases the wealth gap, in my opinion. All I'm saying is let's give the same opportunity afforded to the HBCUs uh, student athletes as well. Yeah. And Jason, uh, with Coach Prime, he did make the comment, too, we shouldn't have a separate combine. So he says that doesn't make sense to have a separate combine. I was just trying to get us in, but now that I'm involved and I'm in it, we don't want to be separate. We want to be together. Together. So that's an interesting statement as well. And I think with him, this will not go unnoticed now after this going through this whole thing where 259 players were drafted and not one HBCU player was picked. This shouldn't happen in the future. Obviously, they can't dictate that, but they can influence it. So that is the key now where you have someone like Dion who's going to speak up on behalf of not only Jackson State, but the HBCU Nation to make sure that these players are being recognized. And the other thing is, too, with his team being being on ESPN, there are no excuses. They're on national TV. Mm-hmm. So more of that exposure that way. In this day and age, too, you can turn on a game, right? It's just if you choose to turn the game on. So I think he'll be championing championing this uh, effort for sure for 2022 to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Be real. And now to the NBA, Danny, and where we have the Milwaukee Bucks against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Man, in this back-to-back game, this two-game series, uh, which was very crucial. I, I listened to the first game. I watched the second game. Uh, man, Danny, this was a very good game. What are your thoughts on it? Well, Jason, it was key in the fact of they swept the Nets. And if there are any tiebreakers, they get the tiebreaker over the Nets. So that was huge. And that sets them up well for any tiebreakers with either Philly or Brooklyn coming down the stretch. And this is where these last few games are key. If they can somehow sneak into that one spot. Um, but this propelled them without Harden, they're a different team. So it's hard to gauge as you look as we're looking towards the playoffs, how you really measure against them. But like I've said in the past, this is a golden opportunity for Milwaukee from a playoff perspective to take advantage of the Brooklyn Nets because Harden's not coming back to the playoffs. He's coming back off a hamstring injury at that. So you don't know if he tweaks it. Is he, he going to be out for the rest of the playoffs? So Brooklyn did let Giannis do his thing. And 
the Bryn Forbes of the world and the Dante DiVincenzo stepped up in those games. So that was huge for them. Uh, so I think going into the playoffs, this is a great momentum builder. And KD made the comment, continuity is a big thing in this league. So he sees it as well. He sees that the Milwaukee Bucks have been playing together. They, they haven't been banged up. Uh, they had some spells here and there, but the Nets haven't been. And depending on when Harden comes back, that's going to really be the key for their playoff run. But great sweep by the Bucks and great uh, two games for Giannis and team to get over the hump because I thought I was nervous for him for a little bit, but they per persevered and took care of business. What about you, Jay? Look here, man. I think this was a huge confidence booster for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they realized we can actually play with these boys. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Brooklyn has a huge problem. They have a problem down low. Uh, I don't think they're big enough, quite honestly. Uh, when you think about the defensive and offensive rebounds and things of that nature, I mean, you have Kevin Durant, who's at 6'10", but he primarily stays out on a wing usually. Yep. Uh, but then the only other big you have is uh, DeAndre Jordan at 6'11". And so uh, Giannis uh, manhandled uh, DeAndre Jordan so much so that Brooklyn went ahead and tried to put Blake Griffin on uh, Giannis. And Giannis <laughs> abused Blake Griffin, man. <laughs> Griffin stands at 6'9", but, man, come on, man. Against Giannis, Giannis just went ahead and abused him, man. So I think this was a huge confidence booster for the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm -hmm. I don't. I think honestly, Brooklyn has a huge problem here. Um, just not against the Bucks, but it could be even against um, the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn is just not big enough, man, and that's yeah. going to be a huge detriment uh, to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I would even say this: Drew Holiday played some aggressive defense huge pickup by the Milwaukee Bucks and huge defensive presence uh yep. on the wing and so man Danny I have to say this if Brooklyn and Milwaukee plays in the playoffs even with James Harden I'm I'm taking Milwaukee all day uh mm -hmm. this is still going to be a tough series it's still going to be a, a, a close series but I'm taking Milwaukee purely because the game slows down and Brooklyn just doesn't have enough to really handle um, the bigs of the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks can even play small, too. Mm -hmm. um, P.J. Duck Tucker, in my opinion, a great pickup, uh, good defensive presence. <sighs> Milwaukee is stacked, man. Mm -hmm. And they have continuity. To yeah. your point by KD. Mm -hmm. So I think Brooklyn's in trouble, man. I really do. Yes, they can shoot the ball and everything. But here's the other issue I think Brooklyn has. When you bring James Harden back into um, the rotation, how is that going to do, be for Joe Harris? It's going to take some shots away from Joe Harris mm -hmm. at that point in time. So he not, he's going to get kind of cold. Mm -hmm. especially him being a three-point threat. So I think Brooklyn has a problem. They're a great team when they're all together. We've only seen that seven times this year. Yep. Um, that's another thing, man. This, this is going to be 
crazy. So I'm picking Milwaukee in that series. The only thing to add to that, Jason, is if it's slowed down, Milwaukee has to hit their free throws. Yes. That's the difference. Brooklyn will hit their free throws. Agreed. So that could be a key factor because you know that's bitten Milwaukee in the butt a few times in the last couple years in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Danny, about this playing tournament? (laughs) So earlier this week, Jay, we know LeBron had a gripe, (laughs) if you want to call it that, a complaint about the playing tournament. And obviously he's complaining because they're on the verge of being in the play-in tournament. Me personally, I told you when we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it just depends on who's who's complaining about it. So we thought it may get another year, but right now the Lakers are in the sixth spot. Portland's in the seventh. Portland's a half game back of the Lakers. The Lakers are tied with Dallas, who's in the fifth spot. So, and guess who plays tomorrow night? The Lakers in Portland. Mm-hmm. Looking at the way Steph Curry's been playing and some of these other teams like Portland, those are the teams you don't want to mess with in that seven to 10 tournament. Mm -hmm. Because one game and they get get hot the way Steph has been playing, I would not want to see Golden State in a one game playoff. LeBron's got to be looking at this like, man, I don't know if we can seven seven to 10 area. I don't know if we got, we can do it in one game. So that's where I think his fear is coming from and his complaining is coming from because he does those are extra games too they have to play. So extra wear and tear on their bodies mm-hmm. before they even get to the playoffs. So we'll see how this year goes, how much complaining goes down depending on who's in that 7 to 10 slot, those slots. And then I'm assuming the NBA will evaluate based on that. Well, to, to that point, Danny, what you just lay out between the Lakers and Trailblazers playing tomorrow night. So being that, yes, they're a half game out, let me ask you this. Do you think they wouldn't play hard? Say, for instance, we did have this playing tournament, and there's mm-hmm. only a half game separating them anyway. Yep. And, the, and right now we're towards the end of the season. They're going to play just as hard to battle for position at this point in time. Because they're yes. a half game apart from each other, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see it. I don't know how much the playing tournament is impacting that side of it. I think it provides the opportunity for those in the tenth, the tenth spot who yeah, may the not, lower seeds. This who is may a good opportunity. Just, yeah, they're just turning the corner here. Yeah, same thing with Golden State. Now they're they got a rhythm going. Yep. They know. How to you know maybe the beginning of the season they were just jacked up, but now they got this rhythm going. Yep. Same thing with Memphis, Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming back. So now they're gonna get this rhythm going. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm still on the fence. Uh before I was like, man, man, screw this playing tournament, man. Do you play 72, 82 games, you know, in the regular season? Battle it out then, and then let's just go for the playoffs at that point in time. I mean, I guess this playing tournament is giving not only the opportunity there for those lower seeds, but it's asking adding a little pizzazz to it, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm not. It's going to be, it's like a March Madness game. If you think about it, one and done. Yeah. If you lose in that 9-10 first game, you, you're out. And then 
that seven eight game and they go who wins goes on but then that second that eight nine or whoever that last consolation mm -hmm. you going home if you lose so those are gonna be exciting games mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from the fan standpoint mm -hmm. so i think i don't see the nba changing it unless enough people bicker about it where they have to evaluate it but then it's too it's it's more money it's more revenue so you got to think about that as well mm -hmm. um, from both the owner's perspective and or the executive's perspective and the player's perspective. I'm excited to see the games. Like I said, the way Steph's been playing, I'll, I want to see Golden State. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Now to our trading car scenario. Danny, what we got? So our trading car scenario tonight is Kyle Pitts 2021 Panini NFL Instant Draft Rookie Card for Tony Gonzalez's 1998 Tops Rookie Card. A couple quick bios. Not a long bio for Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Number four pick by the Atlanta Falcons out of the University of Florida. His collegiate stats were 100 receptions, 1,492 yards, and 18 touchdowns over three years. Tony Gonzalez was the number 13 pick out of the University of California in the 1997 draft by the Kansas City Chiefs. 17-year career, 1,325 receptions, 15,000 yards, 111 touchdowns, 14-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, Hall of Famer, no Super Bowls. So, Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? Danny, this was a tough one, man. You laid it out so very well. I'm looking at Pitt, and in looking at what his pro day was, his measurables, mm -hmm. man, he was timed at a 4 4 4 in the 40. You talk about <laughs> floating. Come on, man. We talking about a tight end who's really a receiver. What's going to be interesting? Let me just add this real quickly, Danny. Mm -hmm. What's going to be interesting in Kyle Pitts' career is going to be really how does he get his money? Yep. Is he going to get his money as a wide receiver mm -hmm. and what they get paid? Or is he going to get his money as a tight end? Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be really intriguing to see, honestly, where he lines up. Because he can always make the argument, I, I lined up so many times, you know, as a receiver mm -hmm. versus that of a tight end. Um, man, he's going to be a huge mismatch problem. Yes. Tony Gonzalez was a mismatch problem. Yes. Uh, but Tony Gonzalez show wasn't as fast as a Kyle Pitts because looking at Tony Gonzalez's uh, NFL combine stats. This is uh, unofficial. Uh, I want to say he ran a four eight three forty, mm -hmm. but he was a basketball player, so yep. he had the hops. He used that to his advantage, and you know, for a Hall of Fame career. Um, this is a tough one, man, because Tony Gonzalez really kind of started the trend of how the new age tight end plays mm -hmm. 
He said, man, 14-time Pro Bowl, six-time All-Pro. But just as Tony Gonzalez is a trendsetter, trendsetter, mm-hmm. so is Kyle Pitts. There's going to be a lot more. Kyle Pitts may be one, one of a kind, man, moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have a, somebody who's 6'5", 6'6", running a 4'4", 40, it's going to be hard to come by. Uh, Danny, this is a tough one, man. This is a lot tougher than I thought because in my portfolio, I have some awesome, awesome uh, people and athletes. But I'm going to have to go Kyle Pitts on this. I'm going to have to go Kyle Pitts on this, man, because the possibilities that he has, and I'm not saying that he is going to get the numbers or the accolades like Tony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. One thing that he may get that Tony Gonzalez does not have is a Super Bowl ring. Yep. And so and he could be effective in that game. So I'm going off of potential. And I'm going with Kyle Pitts. Who you got? Wow. Compelling argument, Jason. Very compelling. And I'm also torn since Tony Gonzalez did play the tail end of his career in Atlanta. And I observed, I observed them below that lead against San Francisco where they're up 24 to seven heading in, in the second half and they just couldn't get it done. Fell apart, man. So the boy was bad, man. Tony Gonzalez, like you said, mm-hmm. he set the stage for like the Antonio Gates of the world. So those basketball players coming out and turning into tight ends. Well, they just sit there and, like, box you out and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. And Tony Gonzalez had great hands. And his stats are undeniable, man. Um, yeah, the, the zero Super Bowls really hurts the, hurts him. Now I look at Kyle Pitts and the potential there. The sky's the limit, man. The only problem I have there now is Matt Ryan. Is Matt Ryan going to step his game up and take advantage of Kyle Pitts' talent and not seeing Arthur Smith's offense yet? I know what he ran in Tennessee. And you have Derrick Henry, you have A.J. Brown, you have Corey Davis, Johnny Smith. But can he transform Matt Ryan into his 2016 self? to take advantage of Kyle Pitts' talent. That's my fear right now. So, from a card perspective, at this point in time, I'm taking Tony Gonzalez, but I want to see how Kyle Pitts transitions to the NFL playing with Matt Ryan. And does Matt Ryan make him into a superstar? Because that's the card I want. Right now, currently, as an Atlanta Falcons fan, my trust with Matt Ryan, and it's not just Matt Ryan, it's that offensive line. Because Matt Ryan doesn't have time, Kyle Pitts isn't getting the ball. So, I don't know about as, as, trans- as transcendent as he is, he is, 
I'm excited to have him, but Matt Ryan, one, can't, doesn't have time to throw the ball because his offensive line is struggling. And two, if he starts seeing ghosts like he does sometimes and just checks down, Kyle Pitts is just going to be a waste of talent. So I'm hoping they use him the right way. And then I'm coming back to you in this trade car, train car scenario. And I might throw you a little something else with Tony Gonzalez to get Kyle Pitts from. So, hey man, <laughs> look here. I, I'll, I'll say this, man. Matt Ryan only has two more years, right? Left on his contract. He has three, but they can get out of it starting next year after next year, yeah. but they're more or less committed to him the next two years, just due to the amount of money for Listen, dead man, cap space. I think, I think with what the Falcons has across the board here, mm-hmm. um, I think Pitts would be fine. I hope so, Jason. Uh, I, I, I really do because I, I think what they will end up doing is kind of spreading them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got Julio Ridley and Kyle Pitts. And Hayden Hurst, who's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – And Russell Gage. I think the, the offensive weapons are there. The offensive weapons are there. Um, and so I think Matt Ryan can get the ball out of his hands, and, you know, before a defender gets to him. I think that offense is going to have to change. I, I agree with your offensive line, but I think – Getting the ball out the hands there, I think that would bode well for for you all. I think Kyle Pitts would be fine, even if it's just for you know two years under Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know him with the Atlanta Falcons would be um, huge. And oh, I, think, I agree. And I think honestly, I believe that me getting this Kyle Pitts, I ain't trading. I ain't trading away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna come at you with something. I'm gonna negotiate. We're gonna hey, wheel and deal like the come. back porch, like we really do. Hey, hey look here, man. You have to come strong on this one. <laughs> this ain't gonna be no Phoenix, Phoenix Dimbo type type deal. This this gonna be I'm gonna have to get two, three, four good players for this Kyle Pitts, man. Cause I think Kyle Pitts is that type of talent. Mm-hmm. In where even if he doesn't stick with Atlanta after year four or five after that rookie contract, yep. and he goes to somewhere somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be still a matchup problem then, and by that time he would have the knowledge yep. of knowing really where to go and everything. So I think he's going to have an impressive career. I really do. I'm banking on that. This is uh, to me like almost a long term investment. So yep. unless you come in strong on this one, <laughs> I ain't giving up no Kyle Pitts card, especially his rookie card. Yep. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.